Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our text for today is, Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus replied that it was neither he nor his parents who sinned, but this was in order that the works of God might be displayed in him. When something goes wrong, it's common to ask who's to blame. We do this when things go politically wrong, when there are moral issues, and we frequently ask the question when people get sick as well, even though it might be inappropriate. Here we have a man born blind. Someone must be to blame. The disciples' question about who sinned gets at a bigger issue. If it was the fault of the parents, the idea that original sin or sin along family lines would apply. This is something that the individual could not help and is certainly hard for us to grasp today in our highly individualistic culture. But the community in that day was much more lateral. There were many more ties between people and families were considered responsible to one another. The Bible sometimes treats things this way, even though our American consciences don't like it. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to those who love me and keep my commandments. Or what about Achan's sin of hiding treasure when all the loot from Jericho was to be devoted to the Lord? His whole family was wiped out for his misdeed or the tribe of Benjamin being held responsible for their defense of the wrongdoers of Gibeah in the case of the rape and murder of the Levite's concubine. All of Israel was called out to war in that case and nearly wiped out one of its own tribes. On the other hand, we have the word of the prophet Jeremiah, where he states that we should not quote the proverb, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and their children's teeth are set on edge. He goes on to say, whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. In other words, each man will die for his own sin. But these ideas, that of community guilt and that of individual accountability, were both considered valid in Jesus' day. The disciples ask a good question. But Jesus takes a different approach. It's not about sin. That's seeing with the eyes of man. It's about the works of God and seeing God's purpose. What a strange thing to say. The disciples must have recoiled at this proposition, and we might recoil as well. Think about it. Jesus is saying that good can come from human suffering that this man had gone through all that he had so that the work of God could be revealed. This is another common biblical theme, as when Paul says, all we like sheep are made for the slaughter, or when Hebrews encouraging, encourages us to regard hardship as discipline because God is treating us as sons, or when Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh and how despite fervent prayer, God decided to leave it with him rather than taking it away. This is certainly a hard teaching, 
and certainly one we often want to avoid. This is because we are all sinful and unclean, and in our flesh, our old Adams and Eves, we do not really want to follow Christ. When the old Adam is alone, without the new creation that comes from being in Christ, man does horrible things. Witness the Tower of Babel. With the flood in recent memory, people disobeyed the command of God to scatter over the whole world and almost immediately rebelled by rebuilding a tower to reach to heaven that they might not be dispersed on the earth. These people knew the terrible judgment of God and still they rebelled. Or when Cain, through lack of faith and jealousy, slew Abel because he was righteous. Or when Saul, contrary to his own given law, consulted the witch and Samuel at Endor, and he and his sons were slain in battle the next day. It is true that Saul repented of his act, but the consequences were unavoidable by that time, and the kingdom passed from the tribe of Benjamin to the tribe of Judah. But even we as regenerate Christians don't like to suffer. That's why it's called suffering. But without hardship and suffering in our lives, we would run amok. Without the limits that God imposes on us, without the hardships, we would not grow in the way we should. If we have a Lord and Savior, then a Lord is to be served and honored. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. The way of the master is the way of the disciple. The disciple is under the master's discipline and follows in the master's footsteps. But where do these footsteps lead? The way of Jesus is the way of the cross. Not only did Jesus come to save us, but out of his great loves, he, he solves the problem of sin for us. He cures our sight blindness problem because the problem is not just that we are blind and now see, but we also must become blind to things that we loved in the past. In the case of the blind man, he makes mud out of his spit and the earth and creates his sight. He had never seen. This language is redolent of the creation story. We have the witness from John 1 that all things were created by the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. This was the word, Jesus Christ. From Jesus' mouth comes spit to make mud. As he, carried, as he created out of the chaos of water and earth by the word in the beginning, now by means of his mouth and spit and mud and command, Jesus restored the sight of the man born blind. And as God made the first Adam from the mud, the Admah, and breathed into him the breath of life, the Ruach, so this man's sight is created by the light of the world, making mud and breathing a command. His sight is restored in the washing of this mud 
in a pool called scent. In the same way the mud of the old Adam is washed away from us through the waters of baptism we are sent to. This man's very act of obeying is one of faith, as was the act of asking Jesus. At the cross, we see a different kind of washing and a different kind of sacrifice. As Hebrews tells us, for in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the blood, there is no forgiveness. Jesus gives his precious body and blood at the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Although the world cannot see because of the scandal of this cross, he gives it to make us both blind and seeing, so that we might see like he does, so that we might forgive like he forgives. As Isaiah says, who is blind but my servant and deaf like the messenger I send? Who is blind like the one committed to me, blind like the servant of the Lord? He gives us new hope and peace, knowing that our sins have been forgiven and that the sacrifice has been fulfilled for us. And so we can forgive others who sin against us. He has paid for us and remolds us, making us a new creation. And so we can bear witness to the Christ, to our neighbors. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. This indicates that the real issue is this sighted, blinded issue. Whose eyes do we see with, Christ's or the world's? And then he gives us a great participation and privilege. We get to participate in the cross of grace which he has provided. We get to be born again, washed in the waters we are sent to. We get to eat of his body and drink of his blood for the forgiveness of sins. We get a Lord and Savior who loves us and died for us and cures us of those things we need cured for this life. We get strength to go on with the work of the Christ. But there is one more thing we have in common with the man born blind besides being cured by Jesus. We get the privilege of suffering for our Lord. No, our sufferings do not merit anything. We do not gain salvation by them. But the early church considered this to be the greatest privilege and the sign of the greatest maturity as a disciple. Now the little things about seminary life do not compare to the hardships of the early church. But we suffer and are strengthened in small ways for our Lord and Savior. And eventually, we may experience also more overt suffering that will be the sign that the Lord has trusted us enough that we might endure hardship for him. 
So now that we have been saved and see, now that we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for the maturity to grow in the word, that the Christ who has restored our sight and our lives might also help us in our sufferings and time of need, that we also might endure to the end and faithfully run the race that has been set before us. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.